Reddit user Kevin King 1995 asks, Emotions during quarantine. During quarantine, I've just been angry. Normally, I would work out during and vent it through the gym. Home workouts are just not doing it. I've tried venting it through a creative outlet while also working from home. For about a week or so, I was very short-tempered with my siblings. I've since apologized and am trying not to be short-tempered, but it's just not helping. Does anyone have any advice? Hmm. So we've got someone who is struggling with feelings of anger and not finding enough uh, ways of coping with it or, or healthy ways of expressing it. Is that right? Yes. And they miss their old gym routine. Home workouts just aren't helping them uh, yeah. release this anger. Yeah, I feel you there. It's it's not the same. Not having that added element of community, not having that added element of a place that you go that's a sanctuary for that thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what do we do instead? Um, well, I'd like, I, I wish I knew more about the creative outlets that you tried because that would probably be an arm of my answer. Um, right. I, I'm, I am happy to hear that you were able to recognize when you had angry expressions towards your family members and then were able to apologize and reflect on that. Um, I think that's really important because we can't prevent ourselves from feeling anger and we can't totally prevent ourselves from acting out as a result of it, but we can reflect back on our experiences. And once we recognize that we've acted from a place of rushed emotions, um, it, it takes a lot to swallow our pride and go back and apologize. So at first, I really want to just congratulate you for doing that and celebrate that that you did that at all. Um, and that you're looking for solutions for how to maybe uh, ring out some of that anger in advance next time. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's great that you've apologized. Uh, I think just communicating about anger and accepting that anger is okay and often like your desire to express it is not uh, aligned with the original source of it. If If you can just explain that um and in moments where you're feeling angry this is a common recommendation um to just take uh count breaths deep slow breaths three or six um and then you can tell the person that you're experiencing anger um that's what I've got right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I want to, yeah, I love that. That's great. Um, I, I've been experiencing a lot of anger coming up for myself, um, as well right now. And there are fortunately a lot of ways that you can do what, what I call anger work, which is basically ways of expressing your anger um, to just help it flow through your body more easily and keep it from mm -hmm. being kind of stuck up inside of you. Um, I mean, like, like Rob pointed out, sometimes just breathing with it, noticing it um, is sufficient and a really good pathway to knowing yourself better and understanding your anger better. Um, 
for me, I'll, I'll start to feel angry and maybe I won't even identify, be able to identify yet in the moment that it's anger. But what I'll notice is, okay, I'm gritting my teeth or I feel this sudden heat pulsing through my body. I can feel, um, you know, my toes curl. I can feel my skin start to kind of crawl. I feel this mounting sense of just irritation. Um, and it can be anywhere from mild to severe. And so for me, sometimes just naming those sensory changes that I'm aware of, become, starting to become aware of lets me know that, oh, okay, I can expect to be feeling this way because I'm feeling anger and, and I can, I can ride it like a wave and notice the ways that those physical sensations ebb and flow, depending on if you're, if you're being triggered in an ongoing way. Um, and noticing just how uncomfortable it feels to be sitting there and have anger rising up inside of you and stewing and, mm-hmm. and creating this heat or this uncomfortable sort of spindly situation. I don't know. That's kind of how I feel it. Um, so noticing that and then starting to notice the parts of your body that become activated by it and what actions, physical actions might feel good as a release and letting your body, uh, kind of just unfold to it and Mm -hmm. what you can do. Um, I found really helpful is, Sometimes I will pick up a pillow on the couch and just like punch it or just pick it up and, you know, slam it back down. Um, anything that you can do where you are building up to this kind of like impact moment, um, mm-hmm. you can, you can slam it into the bed. Uh, you can scream into a pillow. If, if you feel like the anger is kind of welling up in your stomach and wanting to come out of your throat or your jaw even just growling like this and clenching your teeth, using your body to kind of like generate an exaggerated intense version of, of, of what it's kind of gearing itself up really to do um, can, can help just to give you some little bit of release. And what I also find helpful to know going into doing anger work like this, like if you're going to punch a pillow, if you're going to scream, um, if you're going to, sing to a really angry song, if you're going to stomp to your feet, knowing going into those actions that it may just be dispelling a little bit of that energy at a time. Like, I think a lot of times we, we hesitate to do anger work, um, or to, to release our anger because we feel like, okay, well, I'm going to, what I'm going to yell once or twice, and that's not going to solve anything. It's, I, I feel like the, my body wants to explode and you're going to tell me that I just need to like yell and scream or beat a pillow. And that's, that's just not going to cut it. That's going to be mm-hmm. 2%. Well, 2% is <laughs> bigger than 0%. Right. Um, and, and all of these like strong emotions necessitate some kind of response or they kind of just curl back up and go back inside us and then want to come out even stronger the next time that's triggered. So I think that telling yourself, okay, it's going to come out. It might be ugly. It might be insufficient. It might be uncomfortable. Um, but just letting your body react, you can even wave, you can wave your fists in the air. You can, uh, punch your fist against an open hand. Um, I, I have an electric guitar and I was angry recently and I just unplugged it and just kind of, uh, wailed on it to some 
angry music. Didn't matter what it sounded like because I couldn't even hear it. Um, but just knowing that I had this like power for amplification and that I was like moving my wrists in this fervent rhythmic way. Uh, and I, I don't know, I did it for like 10 or 15 minutes. It felt pretty good. Mm -hmm. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't, it, it didn't solve everything, but it, it did give it somewhere for that energy to flow. Yeah. I, I think that there's other ways you could try at home workouts than whatever you're doing currently. Um, it could be helpful to watch a video that's fast paced, uh, some instructor. Uh, one of the differences between at home and the gym for me is sometimes if I'm at home, like I just get distracted by other shit and there's more rest time in between exercises because it's such a multi-purpose area. So if you could have somebody guiding you on like a, a quick paced workout, you might find you get more out of it or putting on music in headphones. Maybe if you're sharing the space and other people don't want to hear the music and that way you can play it louder and doing some type of uh, jumping, headbanging, dancing, or um, just any kind of movement to energize yourself. And if you live someplace that you can get outside for a run, I think that would really be ideal. Um, I don't know what your situation is with that, though. Um, yeah, I, I think that just finding some type of really activating activity, I say this a lot, but uh, a really cold shower could be helpful, too. Just... It, forces you to breathe heavy and feel the intensity of it. And then your body uh, regulates back to a calmness afterwards. I feel very calm by comparison after taking a, an intense cold shower. Um, yeah, those are my suggestions. Yeah. And I, I, I think the only thing that I would add um, to this discussion is just yeah. when you're kind of coming down from it in, in the sort of cool down phase, because, you know, you're going to get really activated and you're going to, uh, you know, run or scream or whatever. And, uh, you may still have, you may have gotten to a point where you've sort of exerted yourself physically, but, or emotionally, but, but still feeling kind of unsatisfied, but knowing that, okay, it's time to, it's time to kind of ramp this down and reintegrate. Um, walking yourself through that process gently, using your breath to kind of uh, regulate how, how intense your reaction is. So slowing your breath down when you want to kind of turn the volume down on the emotions that you're experiencing, starting mm -hmm. to move your body a little bit slower and more deliberately, um, maybe even speaking out loud a uh, sort of, okay, now we're going to come back in. We're going to feel our feet on the ground again, and we're just going to allow the intensity to um, kind of slip out, even though we may feel like there's more to be angry about. It's time to wind down and, and, you know, just, just kind of getting that energy of slowing the pace down as you go back into maybe an interaction with a family member or just for yourself, because you don't, you know, it's time to be, be done with it. Um, yeah. having those kind of those warm up and cool down periods, almost like you would with a workout, um, can help mm -hmm. it just to feel a little bit more contained. Yeah. Um, Anger often is accompanied with a fear of hurting other people around yeah. you, and that's a good thing um, because that is a risk. But if you can find some container 
to uh, express these things that doesn't hurt. Say that your anger is directed at somebody who you deem undeserving or unable to tolerate it without suffering. Um, writing angry letters you never send with as much swearing and capital letters and repetition as you want. I've found that very uh, productive and calming and like organizing. And then it yeah. allows me to sometimes um, take a, like deliver a message to them that is much less heated and avoids the needless insults, but I can then reread it, reread it later and realize, oh, there is some something that I need to express. There's some request that I have of another person, but mm. I don't need to say fuck a hundred times. I don't need to <laughs> deliver it in that tone of voice, which is less productive. Like it, it was important for me to express that somewhere um, through writing about it. But the actual thing that the person needs to hear is different from the thing that I need to say for my own sake. Yeah. And in that process of, of writing an angry letter, whether regardless of whether you intend to send it or not, what I've found helpful is sometimes I just get out really big pieces of paper or blank pieces of paper and, mm. you know, something like a uh, Sharpie even, and you just let yourself scribble as big as you want and, and let your hand uh, sort of lose control a bit. Let that, let that mm. lack of control that, that the anger makes you feel be manifested in loose hand movements, in, uh, you know, fervent scribbles and big, bold punctuation. Um, and yeah, and cursing and all of that stuff. And you can even like, as you're writing, uh, say out what you're saying, like, it was so fucking unfair that you did this to me. I, you know, actually any channels that you can add to that wave of getting stuff out of yourself can feel really good. Mm -hmm. And then even, um, scribbling all over it, ripping it up at the end. Those are also really uh, sort of empowering actions to help you to feel like you're, you're getting something out and you're maybe, you know, uh, <laughs> using, using the kind of like destructiveness that, that anger breeds in a way that, that just feels good without being uh, actually violent. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, okay. Let's start our show. Let's do it. Free advice. 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 Would you like free advice? Free advice. Free advice. Free advice. Free advice. Forever. Welcome back to Free Advice episode 56. That's Morgan Beard. And that's Rob Zaleski. Yes, yes. Um, Morgan, do you have any advice that you want to ask for today? Oof. Uh, or that you just want to give? <laughs> just a blanket. What do you want to say right now? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'd like to, without going too much into it, uh, yeah. providing a little bit of context for where we are in this moment right now and just naming some of the emotions that I'm having personally. Um, so right that now, yeah, right now we are recording. Um, it's Monday, June 1st, and we are in Los Angeles, California, um, which is one of several epicenters of uh, protests that are going on around the country in reaction to um, 
the deaths of the needless deaths of black youth at the hands of, um, you know, police brutality. And this is obviously coming on a long wave of unrest and frustration and fear as far as like the political climate um, and as far as the pandemic. I mean, it's just a, it's a shit storm. It's a veritable shit storm. Um, and you can just feel the energy is unnerving um, and bizarre. And so it just, it feels strange to not even mention that. Um, but I don't claim to be an expert in this matter. I don't have, um, you know, amazing words of wisdom to share. I just have a lot of confusing feelings, which go from anger to betrayal to um, deep grief and sadness to fear to anticipation. Um, You know, it's, it's all of the above. And I think that I just have to keep reminding myself that it's messy and overwhelming right now. And it has to be that way in order for us to see big changes that are needed. Yeah, I can relate to all the feelings you just said. And um, I don't have any advice for other people that are struggling with that. Just reassurance that you're not alone. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And here we are doing our thing, talking to each other, recording it. And putting out a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for us, I mean, I guess I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think it feels important to continue to model the qualities that we want to see more of, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in, in local and global communities, which is just continuing to share our thoughts, make our voices heard and really hold space for all of the emotions that are happening right now in ourselves and others. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's where my mind goes because that, that is sort of my wheelhouse. Um, and, and how I've learned to most productively deal with things is, is holding space for the emotions, um, finding ways to release them, finding tangible actions to come out of them and, and just trying to stay, just trying to stay afloat really. Um, yeah. On an individual level, uh, sometimes that feels hard enough. (laughs) Um, let alone what, what every other person is thinking, feeling, breathing in and fighting. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to get into questions. Yeah. Let's do it. Does that work for you? Yeah, that does. Let's do it. Cool. Um, here we go. Specific word for asks, does wearing a shirt of the same color under a shirt with a hole make the hole less visible? <laughs> um, it's funny because like the way that question is worded and the, the, the context that we slipped it in makes it sound like it's almost like this metaphor that you're going to continue <laughs> on with. Like, does the color green really like, <laughs> I don't feel like green anymore. 
don't know. I don't really know where I was going with that. Um, okay, so does the does wearing a shirt of the same color underneath a, a shirt that has a hole in it make it less visible? I would imagine that it would, although it I think it would depend on what, what color your skin is underneath the shirt. I mean, is your shirt, is your skin, mm. what if this shirt color original color. is almost yeah, it's like closer to your shirt. skin color in which case i don't know and then yeah. you know there's the whole issue of is it is it casting a shadow maybe maybe the other shirt underneath helps to create a barrier that that eliminates some of the dimension that would cause a shadow because that's really where you notice the hole is is that that light shadow that it casts because the fibers interrupted yeah uh, I think you want to not wear skin colored shirts generally. <laughs> That's just some regular fashion advice. <laughs> yeah. If the shirt is the color of your skin might cause people to question whether you're wearing a shirt at all. Which if that's what you're going for, then maybe don't wear a shirt. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good idea to wear a shirt underneath that is the same color to hide the hole. It makes me also wonder if you've considered just wearing that shirt underneath <laughs> and then you can just wear one shirt if it's the same color, mm-hmm. you know, do you need to even wear the shirt with the hole in it at all? Yeah. Of course, maybe the shirt underneath has another hole someplace else <laughs> and they'd each kind of be looking out for each other. Yeah. There's a network of holes being uh, <laughs> hidden, yeah. hidden over by other shirts with differently placed holes. <laughs> Um, yeah. So the closer that you can keep those two shirts say that the, the undershirt is really tight and then the, the outer shirt with the hole in it is really baggy. If you can get them to stay close to each other so that there's not a big gap in the fabrics, then that hole will be less obvious. Now you can do this with paste. Um, you could do it with double-sided tape perhaps, or even a small safety pin. Yeah. You could even cut out a similarly colored piece of fabric and sort of patch it onto the back of the hole in the shirt. Mm-hmm. And then you wouldn't have to wear the whole shirt and you're getting kind of the same concept, <laughs> the layering yeah. concept. Yeah, definitely. Because wearing two shirts, you might have a worse problem of um, unwanted sweat mm-hmm. that could be even more noticeable than the hole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wish we had some specifics on where the hole was on the shirt. Cause that might for sure uh, dictate, what other kinds of methods might be good. I mean, you could even, you could even just really own the problem and put a sticker over it or a patch that says, don't look under here. (laughs) There's a hole. (laughs) There's a real, there's a real creative opportunity that perhaps, perhaps we're not addressing if we don't think about humorous patches to be applied on top. Right. Right. Yeah. I also just want to point out that a shirt should have four holes in it. So if it's only worry about this, if it's a fifth hole that's aside from the two arm holes, belly hole and neck hole. Okay. Well, thank you for that question. And uh, let's do another one. Let's do it. No name. Sorry. No name. Rentertainer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No name Rentertainer says giving a gift after surgery, i.e., bad experience. 
My auntie was recently admitted to hospital and has undergone surgery and is in induced coma as a result. She is on the mend and will hopefully make it out in one piece and kicking. I'm not a prayer person, but I have been praying like crazy and have been sounding this little musical frog ornament, forgotten the name, because it brings good luck. I have a spare one, and I'd like to give it to my auntie when she makes it out. I see it as a good gift in itself, because to me, it's, being a, it's been a good omen and has superstitiously helped her in my eyes. Would it remind her in a bad way of her experience? Like a souvenir of something she'd rather forget? Or will she appreciate how much I felt it's brought to the situation? I don't want to give her something that would turn out to be a reminder of something bad that happened to her. Thanks. Mm. Um, Thank you, yeah. No Name or Entertainer. Yeah, I, I have a few thoughts. Um, yes. First... I think that she will definitely appreciate it and she will be grateful for having regained consciousness and that you were thinking about her the whole time and, and that you were using this um, figure as sort of a, a token of hope for you. Um, mm -hmm. I, I can't see another reality. I, I can't see a possibility that she would be anything but sweet and grateful about it for your consideration. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I feel like it, it, it's important to say that she, it probably won't remind her of being in a coma because she is busy and being in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a particularly memorable. You remember the things before and after the coma, but not so much the coma itself, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I haven't been in a coma, so I can't say for sure. Yeah, I have but, no idea. Um, there's a couple assumptions in this that I want to challenge. Mm -hmm. That um, One, it will remind her of a bad time instead of reminding her of you and you expressing your love and your care um two that it would be bad to remind her of a bad time sometimes mm. remembering a challenging experience can make a person more grateful or uh hearty or feel like okay you know what i got through that thing and um it could be a reminder of her her toughness mm. her resilience mm -hmm. um her experience of things getting better so it might not be bad for it to be that kind of reminder for her and then a final assumption is that um, she wouldn't be able to get rid of it on her own, that she might mm -hmm. not feel comfortable like throwing it away or hiding it if it was disturbing to her, it caused her distress. And that's something that I guess knowing your auntie personally, would you'd be a better judge of if she's the type of person to be beholden by guilt and duty to other people, but... Um, I think you can give gifts in a way that just not like asking people following up. Have you used that thing? <laughs> not like walking around their house, looking for it every time you go over. Yeah, <laughs> There's a continuum of like no strings attached gift from an anonymous person that the person didn't even know whether this was meant for them. It's just something that showed up on their balcony one day, let's say. Like, oh, did someone drop this? Is it intended for me? Having no idea where it came from. There's no obligation. Versus a gift that is more of an assignment where a person is always asking, like, hey, let me see that plant. Send me a picture of it. I want to make sure you're treating it right. That's That latter category is, I think, the bad gift to give. Um, and you can give a gift and say, you can just say directly, there's no obligation to keep this. Um, this is something that I wanted you to have, but only if you 
like it or, or find it useful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you can couch it too in a statement about how it was useful to you while she was gone and how it made you think of having hope. And I love, I love the idea of the frog as this emblem of like her going back to kicking. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's think really that. cute. Frogs um, kick. Yeah. Well, they got notable legs at least. Very notable. Um, and so it's, it makes sense that, that this singing frog, it's, there was a singing component to it, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. This like singing frog is sort of an emblem to you of, uh, hope or joy on the other side of this challenging, uncertain time for your auntie. And so I think that because it's such a whimsical type of figure, uh, I would imagine that she will probably have positive associations with it as well, especially how you present it to her. Um, and I, I think that if, if you're the type of, um, nephew or niece, if, if that's the right relationship, um, mm-hmm. that cares about her this much, anything that reminds her of you is going to be a positive token in her life moving forward. Yes. Uh, nibbling is the gender neutral word for a nephew <laughs> or niece. So, you know, <laughs> I think I've brought that up before on the podcast. Oh, you're serious? But... Are you not making that up? Nibbling? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's like sibling, but with an N. Well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> no, it's not. It's really good. I mean, it's, it's actually funny. something that's really great. It's, I mean, it's, it's, I'm glad it's we have a word for that, but like nibbling <laughs> is too. hilarious. Yeah. I don't know if there's an aunt or uncle gender neutral term. Knob, knobbling. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, that's I, ridiculous. <laughs> uh, come on. Anti-nibbling maybe, but um, Anti-nibbling. <sighs> yeah, I think that uh, um, just the act of giving a gift and that experience of receiving it, especially in a circumstance like this, where it's not um, a, a tradition or expected by a holiday or something, that's just that's just nice whether she likes the thing or, n- or not. The experience of that, um, I think you'll feel good about doing it. She'll feel good about you having expressed that. And it'll just remind her that you care and that will be, yeah. that'll be nice. I, I'm touched by this whole situation. Yeah, me too. You could even, you could write a little note to go with it too. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of describing your experience and maybe including some of the things that, that we suggested about, you know, the intention of the gift. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that would really round it out and, and help to create the kind of association that you want her to have with it too. And it's a good exercise for you as well. Cause you're, you're processing a lot as well. Um, I think that's important to remember. This is probably a really difficult experience for you and for her other close family members that are, you know, by her side, literally or figuratively waiting for the outcome. I'm just realizing it's probably no-namer entertainer, not no-namer entertainer. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> you seem like a really nice person. Yeah, we want to get that name right because you seem thoughtful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, good luck sending sending all of our best to you and your family and crossing our fingers and putting you in the prayers too. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Okay. Moving on to another question. This one's from JRS225. How do I, male 25, stop resenting my female 30-year-old girlfriend Mm. because of her sexual past? Mm. I have been dealing with retroactive jealousy and resentment towards my girlfriend, and it is affecting our relationship. Before dating my girlfriend, I was a virgin. She was not. Despite being together for almost a year, it still bothers me. 
it feels like I'm giving more than I'm receiving. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going where other guys have already gone. Therefore, it doesn't feel special. Knowing that other guys have been inside her is really messing with my head. I know that I cannot blame her for living her life and making decisions before she met me. I know that this is a shitty, misogynistic way of looking at things, but that's how I feel. I've never told her about this because I'm self-aware enough to understand that this is my problem and I don't want to project my insecurities onto her. I'm doing my best not to shame her for her past either. However, I can't help but feel left out seeing as how she knows how other guys feel and she's the only woman I've ever been with. Any advice or feedback is welcome. Thanks in advance. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you included the line uh, about that you're, you're aware that it's sort of a misogynistic hang up, but that, you know, of course, you're entitled to having that feeling. And it's definitely one that I'm sure a lot of men share. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that you're, you're tr- it shows that you're trying to balance out your feelings within, you know, the rational argument of, well, you know, she, she didn't do anything to you. Um, she is entitled to have lived her life the way that she lived it before she met you. And right. I think that the most important piece of this for you to focus on is that sense of you wanting to feel more secure in the relationship and maybe you wanting to feel more sexually special to her. Um, all of those things can be worked out and um, can be uh, handled given you know the facts at hand and, and can be teased out apart from just the sheer fact of someone else has been inside her except for you. Um, mm-hmm. It is possible to process your feelings and to, to get to a state where you can look back on that unchangeable fact and feel okay about it. If you do the internal work that's necessary to, to make sure that you still feel special and not left out in the relationship. And maybe there's something, maybe there are some extra little actions she could take. If you shared this with her, that could help you to feel included in, uh, even her past sex life versus just, uh, you know, sort of feeling, feeling ashamed or uncomfortable about it. Yeah. I'm curious to know more about when this feeling comes up Mm. the most. Um, if you can track that, is it in conversations with her when she alludes to those experiences? Um, just because you identify this as something that you dislike or, um, is, uh, parallel to misogynistic trends, greater issues that you don't want to be a part of, doesn't mean that you have to keep it a secret from your partner at all costs. Now, I don't know their, um, emotional patterns as well as you do, but there may be a way to, to own that, Hey, this is something that, um, I feel insecure about. I, um, I struggle with or uh, I don't like that is happening in me, but it is happening in me when you just blank told that story about um, that person and your sexual experience. Um, I started to feel angry or uh, whatever your feeling was Um, bad about yourself, feeling um, sad. uh, Yeah. That's something that you can tell your partner. And I think with the caveat of this is something that I want to work on. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's a tough situation to be in. I think that the jealousy could be pointing you towards a desire for more novelty like that yourself. Maybe you want to have those experiences and this mm-hmm. is a the pain of the the sacrifice of um if you're in a monogamous relationship with this person, it means at least for now giving up the opportunity to be with other people and experience that range of novelty. Um it's a very tricky problem that doesn't make you a bad person for having that. Uh, I think your reaction to it is what uh, determines whether you're good or bad. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And the immediate reaction doesn't have to be perfect either because you right. are struggling with, uh, you know, difficult feelings and, mm-hmm. And I think it's important too to calibrate the the bar in terms of what do you want the result to be in sharing your feelings to make sure that it's just I want to be sharing my feelings with you so that we can be closer and work together on them. There there doesn't have to be any sort of concrete result from sharing them. It can just be I'm experiencing and practicing opening up my up opening up to my partner about something that makes me feel really vulnerable and that's mm-hmm. that's the box we're checking by having this discussion because mm-hmm. the you know the the result that you sort of really want is is obviously to you know sort of turn back time and and not have it not have it be the case at all but that's just not i think coming to terms with that reality is a really important aspect of this uh and i like what you said to rob about what is the jealousy pointing at and exploring for you well, what aspect of the fact that she's had these prior experiences is what really uh, is, is really triggering you? Is it the fact that sh- she shared this important first with someone else? Are there f- mm-hmm. other important firsts that you guys could share together that would help you feel a little bit more uh, like you guys are having uh, an important experience for the first time together? Uh, virginity is something that, that is definitely way overblown, um, as far as, you know, the cultural narrative of, of how important that is and, uh, what Mm -hmm. it means for a woman to, to lose her virginity or, you know, to be a virgin and then to no longer be a virgin. Um, I think that there's, there's a lot to be examined and unpacked there about, you know, why those things exist and why we hear these cultural stories. And, you know, perhaps some of it is the fact that men, have a, a sort of biological response of um, disgust or discomfort or jealousy when that's not the case, when they're, you know, dating someone, uh, loving someone who has already been loved in those ways. Um, but I, I, I think that, I think that it is important for you, yeah, to take the responsibility for what are the things that you are bringing to this equation, but then to bring that into the relationship because at the end of the day, it's something that that gets solved and, and worked through in the context of the partnership. And maybe you learn to reframe it as, okay, this is a challenge for us in our relationship and how can we grow stronger and more resilient as a result of, of coming together to find a solution? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to um, take something from Aubrey Marcus, uh, who says that anytime you're playing the um, what makes me lovable 
game, there will be somebody who can beat you at that uh, that comparison. So if mm. if you're worried that this person might be older, her previous partners are, were more experienced or richer or better looking or better lovers in some way or something like that, the, those threats will always be out in the world. You can't... Um, Short of, uh, you know, moving someone to a deserted island and being the last two people on earth, there's always going to be that feeling to deal with. And what Aubrey recommends is believing that you're lovable just because of your combination of traits, um, that nobody else has exactly your formula. So I'd I'd recommend um, thinking on what it is that your girlfriend loves about you and... um, if you don't understand that, you can ask for help about that. Um, and finding ways to love those things about yourself and invest in ways to feel like like you are giving yourself some of the validation that you might be seeking from her right now. And I think that that will make you more attractive to her and she will reinforce that um, by being more affectionate to you and you may it might be a self-perpetuating cycle of solution that this becomes less and less of a problem for you um, as you like yourself more and believe that you are attractive. I, I would recommend examining your beliefs about what it means for someone to be a virgin. Do you think that's a shameful thing or that makes someone unattractive? Um, and trying to examine an alternative argument if uh, you do hold some beliefs about that making you less worthy, um, you know. Yeah. Um, I love what you said, and it opened the door to a specific point I want to make about it yeah. is uh, the, that fear, those all those fears that you cited of, you know, am I not attractive enough? Am I not a good enough lover? Am I this? Am I that? Those are things that can be triggered in all of us in, in any type of relationship because they are these, these common insecurities that we all have when we're confronted with just a sense of like, uh Oh, is this person going to find me out for being, you know, bad Mm -hmm. on some fundamental level? That's another sweet little relic of (laughs) Catholicism um, or, you know, (laughs) religions that prop up virginity um, or, you know, religions that accuse us of, of coming to the table with original sin and having some badness to suss out. But um, I think there's two prongs, which is, is uh, coming to terms with the fact that this is something that we all feel and, and sort of challenging the validity of it. But if you do Mm -hmm. have a recurring sense that maybe, Maybe there are ways where you would like to learn how to be a better lover or something like that. If you can penetrate beneath or put your ego aside enough to identify, okay, how might I get better at something like how I love my partner? Maybe what's one Mm -hmm. skill I wish I knew more about cultivating with them? And that could be something that you uh, seek advice from trusted friends on or something that you even just ask her uh, and say, you know, I've been really thinking and you can, you can frame it not in a way of like, Oh God, I've, I'm afraid I don't know anything about how to do this in bed. Like, please help. It can come from that, come from an energy of, I want to be a good lover to you. I want to be a, like, you know, I want to be sexy to you. I want to, um, 
give you this certain type of pleasure because you give me pleasure and you turn me on, what turns you on, you know, about when I do this or, or how would you like me to go about this particular, you know, sex act and, and make it something that's a little bit sexy, a little bit sensual, um, and, and open up to it being an opportunity for skill building and for deeper connection and for more physical sensation of pleasure between the two of you. Um, it can be scary, but if you, if you open up to, well, what are the ways that I could improve about this and and gain more confidence? If it's, if it's a real skill that can be developed, I think that can be really empowering because mm-hmm. we're not born great lovers. There's not, it, there's no yeah. like secret rule book that some people have and other people don't. It's about experience. It's about listening to your partner. It's about making mistakes and asking questions and just a desire to be more attuned. Yes. Well said. Thank you. Um, I think if there was a rule book, it would be the guide to getting it on. <laughs> Um, <laughs> good, good recommendation. Yeah, that's by uh, Paul Yoanides, J O A N N I D E S. Um, if you're looking for a starting point of places to research things like that. Um, and one other possibility I just want to point out is maybe you do have an internal drive to have sex with other people and not have this be your only lifetime sexual experience and that um could that could be okay that could be something that leads you to um exploring an open relationship with this person or breaking up with this person at some point and um those are acceptable outcomes those are things that people do and that may suck or prevent your present challenges as they happen but um that would be okay if yeah. you also have that desire to just see what else is out there and um, you may find that it's not as good as you had hoped or you may realize that there were, oh, there were these things that I didn't even realize in this relationship um, bothered me until I was with someone who wasn't that way or mm. didn't have that that quality I, I had just taken for granted. Um, so I generally do recommend people have you know, experience love from different, uh, sources if they can and, um, get a feel for what they like and dislike before they uh, commit to a person. And, um, this may be one, uh, sign pointing to your desire to do that. That's just something to take into account. It doesn't mean that you need to make any drastic decisions every time that you feel jealous, but yeah, I think it's I think it's important to just point out that there are many valid paths to to go yeah. with this information that you have. Yes. Great. Good. Okay. Uh you ready to do one more? Yeah, let's do one more. Okay. Um I'm going to do just a lazy sloth girl's question. <laughs> just, just a lazy sloth girl asks. Oh, I'm sure yeah, she's more than that. Get your out now. Because, I'm, sure, well. I'm sure she's got other stuff going on. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> just a lazy sloth girl says, I don't feel a thing when a family member passed away. Am I a terrible person? Hi. Before you start attacking me, please let me speak. Hmm. 
My grandfather passed away around four years ago, cancer, and I was devastated. Not only did I lose my best friend, my father figure, and my grandfather, I lost the one person who believed in me. Mm. I took his death hard and heavy. I lost 20 kilos in a month, refused to talk, and didn't leave my bed. Today, if someone brings him up in a conversation, I usually have to leave before I start bawling my eyes out. My grandfather's brother passed away today, COVID-19, and I'm ashamed to say I don't feel anything. It's almost as if I'm emotionless. His death feels like a blockage in my throat, and no horrible and, and no matter how hard I try, it won't go away. Am I a horrible person for feeling like this? Like I have no emotion whatsoever? But then, if someone starts talking about an incident they had with him, I start crying. What's wrong with me? Am I mentally immature? Okay. I think the most important thing to say here is that there is nothing wrong with you. Yeah. There is no right way to respond to death or to grief. There's nothing wrong with this behavior. There might be something wrong with you unrelated to this. <laughs> Maybe I didn't need to say that. Good time but... to slip that in, Rob. Good time to slip that in. <laughs> you may this have other okay... issues. This doesn't happen to be one of them. <laughs> sure. There are things wrong with all of us. I, it's something that's empowering for me to believe. But this reaction is not an indication that you are a mentally immature or a bad person. No. And I think that it's interesting because in, in kind of unpacking what your response has been, I actually see a lot of emotion there. You describe yeah. that there's a lump or a blockage in your throat. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a very specific feeling that is tied to multiple potential emotions. And I think mm-hmm. also sometimes a a sense of numbness can actually be a a difficulty or an incapacity to unpack a lot of overwhelming emotions. So we can't read into what that really means. And even if it, even if it was just that you didn't have that much of an emotional reaction, that would also be okay. There is no big committee out there going, well, you didn't show enough emotion, so you're fucked. Right. I wonder if there is someone in your life who is shaming you for not being more outwardly grieving and, um, it's possible that that's that person's problem for trying to control mm. you. And um, and your response also does not directly mirror how much this person meant to you or, right. you know, th- how, that you cared about them or loved them, you know, or that they were significant to you. Our emotions are just our emotional responses and they are filtered through all of the things that preexists in our body, um, you know that have nothing may have nothing to do with this. Yes. Um, it could be, uh, I don't know any of this for sure. And, um, it may be irresponsible to guess, but I'm going to do it anyway. It could <laughs> <Do> be it. <laughs> that, <laughs> that you, um, want to avoid the amount of pain that you felt, uh, from your grandfather's passing. Yeah. That could have been a traumatic experience that you just, you're, some part of you believes you can't endure again or can't endure right now when maybe um, you feel responsible for others or trapped with them, that you don't have enough space, that there's uh, too much uncertainty in the world to also be dealing with this. It could just be, be that kind of overwhelm. Um, it yeah. could be that uh, apathy is a mask for anger. This is something Carla McLaren says. Mm-hmm. Um, could be that... It, you feel nothing or numbness because 
the that's a way of protecting yourself from something that feels like it would be unsafe to experience in this moment. Often anger, um, could be anger at the world, could be anger at other people, um, anger at yourself even. Um, so there, there's no right way to grieve and it doesn't make you a bad person for even experiencing moments of joy um, mm -hmm. on days where other people feel blue or um, want to be sad and quiet. Yeah. I, no, I, I really want to piggyback off of that because I think that that is so important. Like if anything, death shows us how short and how fragile our lives are. And mm -hmm. I think it really underscores the importance of celebrating when things are good. Um, and so if you're listening to this right now and there's like just grief all around you, but you're having a pretty good day, please don't let that tarnish your pretty good day. There is enough sadness and shitty feelings in the world right now. Please let yourself shine. Um, because trust me, you will feel shitty <laughs> again <laughs> so, yes. and you will kick yourself for not letting yourself experience it now. Um, or for putting some kind of a gate on it, uh, or a threshold. So the overall tone is like, it's okay. Whatever emotion you're having, let yourself have it and feel it as deeply as you can, because the more deeply you can engage with our human experience in its valleys and peaks, the more that you will feel like you've lived your life fully when, when that time that we all don't want to acknowledge comes and we, you know, we leave these lives behind. I think we all want to feel like we lived them in a way that was meaningful and it doesn't really get much more meaningful than riding the roller coaster of your emotions. Mm hmm. Yeah. Hmm. You know when you know when something just comes out of your mouth hmm. and you're like, oh yeah, I needed to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> that was you just there. Yeah, constantly, all the time. Okay. Um, but yeah, do you have anything else to say to this particular question asker? No, just to be with your feelings or lack thereof mm. as they come out and. You can, doesn't mean that you didn't care to not be expressing the grief like other people around you. Mm -hmm. And um, it may be a different thing to care for your great uncle than it is to care for the people who are currently grieving. So that's another thing to look at that might also just be overwhelming. But um, yeah. Yeah, there's a, a number of, of simultaneous emotional events happening right now. If other people are having their own reactions and sharing those things with you, um, that it's not just a, a single thing that happened. Um, yeah. Yeah. The other piece of advice I would like to share that just popped into my mind is is yeah, is okay. maybe uh, have some conversations with people that you are close to, but did not know him like friends. Um, mm -hmm. so that you have a container, someone who you can just go to and say, you know, this is how I'm feeling, or this is how I'm not feeling. And just say whatever you want about it without being impacted by, oh, well, what's their impact from this person dying? Yes. Yeah. Just yes, someone I've who you don't that, feel that um, weight. To dump outward, uh, 
like the people who are closest to the deceased can lean on the people who know them a little less. And those people can lean on people who knew them not at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. 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 Someone who, someone who, you know, is just going to listen to what you have to say and be there with whatever you're expressing. Um, that someone who you don't feel like you have to protect their feelings at all in sharing yourself. Yes. I think that's really valuable yeah. for, for everyone to have for, <laughs> for processing really anything. Um, right. And you can carve out those spaces uh, with relationships where there, there is more kind of emotional connectedness or messiness um, by saying, by asking, you know, I really want to get out some feelings that I have is that something that you can handle right now if I just kind of spew out some stuff or, you know, do you need your own space? Can you take this on? I'd like to talk for 10 to 15 minutes just about how I'm feeling without getting any sense of judgment from you. Is that the kind of thing that you can handle? And then maybe I could provide that for you. So it is possible, but it's easier to just put it with someone who you you don't feel you have to, to do any extra emotional labor. Yeah. Well, but thanks. I I feel like you gave me that feedback after almost everything I said. I feel like so proud of myself. <laughs> good. <laughs> feel good. Feel good about that. Um, yeah. Good. I like. I came. I came into this episode as I as I often have of late, where I feel like, oh my god, what am I going to say to anyone? <laughs> like, w- what do I have to say at this moment? Like, oh my God, it's going to come out as a mess and it's not going to be helpful. And, you know, I have my own, all of my own insecurities and judgments about um, giving advice to other people on topics that I'm more and less qualified to speak on. Um, but yeah, I, I do always find that I enjoy digging into the meat of whatever people have going on. And, and I really... Uh, admire the the bravery and the vulnerability that it takes for these people to publish their questions online for other mm-hmm. people to look at and, and help them with. Um, and it just reminds me that we are here to take care of each other. Yeah. And it feels good to do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone. Um, please... Keep taking care of yourselves and each other and yeah. staying safe. And um, if you want to write us uh, to be on the show or just to get a response via email, you can write us at freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com. Yes, we would love to hear from you. Um, as Rob said, whether you want to have a question featured on the show or a response featured on the show or just if you want to talk because <laughs> yeah. we read it. <laughs> we do. We care about you guys. Um, you guys are our community and we want to, we want to know how to, how we can serve you. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like it's time to sign off. Sign off. We shall then. Yes. (laughs) Good night, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye. Sleep tight and, and we'll be back next week. See you then. Bye.